Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm your co-host, Youngmi Mayer. And I'm your other co-host, Brian Park. Yeah, and today we're we're talking about a very, um, very, what's the word, stigmatizing topic? A topic that's... A, a taboo topic. A taboo topic in Asian culture. Drugs. 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 But um, I, I just want to point out that once we do get talking about it, we're going to be incredibly open about our drug usage. We're going to say every single bump, oh. joint, doodle dad that we've ever snorted. <laughs> Young Lee's eyes are like dilating right now. I, yeah, I'm going to tell you every single drug I've ever done because I feel like that is not done among asian people i mean obviously maybe through with friends but not in asian families i'm going to be completely open right right and i you know in my experience i in college asian americans they take a lot of recreational drugs yeah. and that was interesting to me because in contrast to the way we were raised with very strict asian parents uh-huh. you would think that kind of like that kind of recreational drug use wouldn't exist mm-hmm but um yeah asians are out there they're doing drugs we're doing drugs we also want to talk about it because um there are also unhealthy relationships to drugs yeah. in which drugs are used as a coping mechanism to mask a more deep-seated sinister problem Drug, and that's yeah very emotionally tied mm-hmm. and uh as we talk about in this podcast i think there are cultural factors that inhibit asian americans from being open and addressing their more deep-seated emotional problems and they turn to drugs and, to cope yeah yeah in an unhealthy way in an unhealthy way which also might lead to addiction and we're going to talk about all that but before we do how are you feeling young me oh, <laughs> beat me to it ryan beat, <laughs> beat me to you it to it all right i guess i'll start um you know i'm feeling really good because i i got out of the <laughs> breakup i'm sure everyone's following my fucking boring ass breakup story journey and then uh, after the aggressive sexual behavior thing that I was talking about last time, which was just well, the aggressive, sexting. Yeah, aggressive sexual behavior was just sexting. I but know. have you been engaging I... in actual sec- ac- aggressive sexual behavior? Yes. Um, Ooh. Yeah, which is exciting. Not not actually aggressive. That is just exciting. Just regular, normal. Aggressive, very... consensual sexual All behavior. All my clothes are still on. <laughs> <laughs> I cut a hole in the sheet. Cut a hole in the hanbok. <laughs> In the hanbok. No, the hanbok used to come with without crotch. Hanbok is like a Korean traditional dress. Dress, just so you know. But back in the old days, they would have another sex hanbok. I did not know that. And they would hang it and then they would change into it before sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I do. It's that's like, like, let me change into something more sex. sexy. And it's just another, the same hanbok. <laughs> same thing with just a hole in the crotch. <laughs> let me change. <laughs> no, but that, that's like pretty provocative. Just a whole That is very provocative. And the wiener is just sticking out. Oh, it's so intense. That's, maybe the nipples are cut out or something. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That is like the weirdly the sexiest outfit I could it's, ever think. It's of. honestly sexier than just being naked. Yeah. <laughs> or like like sexy like lingerie. That's like that's that's what get me going. Um I have been you know, I'm really committed to being single right now because I just like I can't I just feel like I don't know why I always fall into these relationships and I like you know not that the people are bad or anything but I just should I don't think I should be in a relationship there's like part of me that like I feel like I had a big realization you know like when you're seeing someone it's really exciting and sexy and like you have all the adrenaline flowing in the first few weeks like I I was like okay I can do that and then move on like I don't have to get in a like an eight-month relationship with that person where like the end six months just sucks yeah do you know what I mean no absolutely and so now I'm like okay don't like calm down don't catch feelings but this is a that feels like you're suppressing feelings though yeah you know but this is that's why it's hard because now I'm like I I feel I feel things you know like I feel things Brian but then I'm like I'm, I feel like I'm almost like choosing to like maybe get involved with people that I'm mentally like sure that they're for some reason I'm like I can't be in an actual relationship with this person mm-hmm. because of like whatever it is you know what I mean or like yeah. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, that being said, I am feeling feelings. Sometimes I hook Ooh. up with people and I'm just like, oh my God, great. Goodbye. And it's very like <laughs> transactional, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. But uh, sometimes I do feel like I feel feelings. You catch feelings. Yeah, so right now you've, you've caught feelings. Um, yes, Somewhat. but I did, I did. And then I, I feel like I was just like, you know what? You're just, you just gotta, you gotta commit to being single. And so mm. the next day I slept with somebody else. Oh, <laughs> I, don't I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Everything makes me cry. <laughs> I'm like hurting my own self at this point. But I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I feel like I'm, I'm in a good place in my head where I yeah. can actually do all these things and, and emotionally, um, be okay with it. Yeah. It's not like I'm like fucking with myself and actually hurting myself. Like no, I'm, I'm no. very like rational in my head. Even like if I feel feelings, I'm like, all right, it's just like a little, it's like, oh, it's like biological. Obviously mm -hmm. you're having sex with somebody, you're going to feel something and it's fine. And just, it's just hormones yeah stay like logical and i feel like i i'm at a place where i'm able to do that mentally that's great yeah yeah you seem good yeah i'm really happy yeah it's fun that's amazing it's easy going how are you feeling brian i'm feeling happy <laughs> that did not sound happy <laughs> i'm feeling happy no since we last recorded uh i had a friend visit new york mm -hmm. but it's more than just a friend because we've hooked up before and there's some history there. Yeah. But she lives, she doesn't live in America. Mm. She lives in the UK. Okay. But I was in a real, I was in a long-term relationship when she was in a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we both kind of became single around in a similar timeline. Yeah. And then we correspond, like we talk a lot over Instagram and... Over the summer, we were like texting each other a lot and it was really, really fun and really, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoy talking to her a lot. And she was in New York this past week. Uh-huh. And Ooh. yeah. And, you know, there was like some n nervousness that comes with like, okay, well, we have like history and we talk a lot and I'm really excited to see you, but the real life interaction could be entirely different. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Because... Mm -hmm time has passed like years have passed and people can change and the chemistry could be off in person but she was here for the week and we hung out so much and it was so great and we had so much fun together mm -hmm. and yeah it was just really really amazing obviously i'm i'm just trying to focus on the positives here because i had such an amazing time with this person but it's just hard because she lives in the uk yeah. Like if she lived in New York, I would love to date and like commit to something more serious because I think the attraction is very strong there. Yeah. But it's just by circumstance that we live fucking thousands of miles apart mm. where I don't know. I think I'm being more just like it's just more uncertainty. Like mm -hmm. it's not as clear, you know, in terms of what what is like yeah what to do about this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not I'm just in a place right now where i'm trying to just take it step by step and not try and like think about the sad things because it was very sad when she had to leave mm -hmm. and the entire time we were hanging out together it was um i don't know if part of it is since we knew that it, there was an expiry date uh-huh that you you were more comfortable I don't know. Maybe I'm just using it as an excuse to justify like how comfortable and emotionally available I was in her presence. Because mm, you knew she was going to leave. Well, I thought it was that, but I don't even think it's that. Oh, I yeah, think that's just, just like that I think just, just by, I think just being with her, yeah. she brings that out of me, and mm -hmm. I don't feel I feel very safe and uh, unjudged, and it's amazing. Mm. And so, I yeah, I, I I'm bummed that she doesn't live in New York. But mm -hmm. reflecting back on the week, I, I don't know. There's just like so many moments that make me smile still because we had such an amazing time together. And I was really happy I was able to show her so many sides of New York that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I don't know. It's I, I just know that if she lived in New York, yeah, I would want a date. Mm. And but I still I know that I care very deeply about her more right. than just like a casual friend that if we happen to be in the same city we just like casually hook up 
Mm. You know? This sounds all very sad. <laughs> I mean, it sounds great that, you know, you had a great relationship with her, but yeah. I, if, if I put myself in your shoes, I would be somewhat devastated if I had this sort of a connection with someone. Yeah. I know that it's, yeah, it, it's sad. And yeah. I'm like, I'm just annoyed at the circumstances because I have dated in New York and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, wh- why is this person that I connect with so well have to be so far away yeah but she's got i know she's gonna come she's coming back to new york in the near future and Mm -hmm. uh i talked about visiting her in london okay so i'm just trying to remain optimistic i'm just focusing on like we had an i i care very deeply about this person we had a great time together and Mm -hmm. uh i'll see her in london and then why don't you just do what i do right and sleep with someone else (laughs) Because I don't want to. Me neither. I don't know why I well, did that. No. <laughs> I have such a fucking wreck. I'm a train wreck. Oh, my God. Um, no, but th- that's what's helped me identify how strongly I feel about this person. Because even after she left, I'm not... I have no interest in meeting other women right now. Yeah. You but know? you know what? I bet it's going to happen. Just because, you know, you're out and about. But I deleted my apps. What? Yeah. Brian, yeah. how dare you you're on, leave you're me on out here own. on my own? <laughs> what am I supposed to do out here? Yeah, so uh, you're right. Like I am, sa- I'm, I am very sad that well, she if, left. But if, if you feel like you don't want to see anyone, just don't see anyone. It's yeah. fine. You don't have to like do anything you don't want to do. Yeah. So that's just how I feel. I had an amazing time with my friend when she visited New York. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her in London. That's great. Yeah. But I did tell her, like, obviously, you you should, and if you want, you should fuck around. Like, you don't owe me yeah, anything. Yeah. Because it's not like we started dating in a city, in the same city, and then separated, you yeah. know? Do you think she's in the same place mentally that you are? Feeling the same way? I think so, yeah. Because we told each other that. Yeah. Wow. But I did tell her, look, I'll see you when I, I'll see you. And I'm excited to see you. But I don't want knowing me yeah. to have like distract you or influence your day-to-day of like what your life is like in the uk right right you know yeah because i, mean, I, I yeah did, but that's hard for just like what you're saying that it's, it's gonna be hard for you to like hook up with people when you have her on your mind that's probably the same thing with her right i would assume so but again i don't i don't know and even if she wanted to i don't I'm, i wouldn't be offended or you know mm, yeah i think i'm just trying to be polite in you this wouldn't be offended what do you really it or was, uh, you, you just would know that rationally you rationally, wouldn't be allowed not allowed but that's like you how i it's like a rational like feeling you uh, can't really be upset be or, upset right right it's more i mean that. you will feel upset obviously but right. it's like there's no like yeah rational you know what emotions are not rational i'm just gonna feel all the fucking feelings i'm just like letting them out these days i don't give a shit totally and that's i uh, cry during sex <laughs> right? i was like i don't know why like feeling emotions <laughs> yeah so that's how i feel i'm like guardedly optimistic mm. i am sad yeah because i mean it is a sad yeah. situation but it could turn out to be very positive it yeah could so work. i'm just i'm right now i'm just trying to focus on we had a great time together and yeah. i'm looking forward to hanging out with her again in the uk yeah yeah so that's, that's where nice. i'm at great yeah well, so we as we t- as we addressed in the beginning of the episode drugs we are going to talk about drugs very openly very openly which makes me kind of uncomfortable because Oof. i know i have family that listens to this i probably do too and i i don't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> all right young me so g- give me the lowdown what what is lowdown. the what, My what is your journey usage. with drugs did your parents like, did you ever get caught? Did your parents talk to you about drugs at all? Yeah. Oh, now that I think about it, I did. So in high school, my, my drug journey, I would say my, in high school, I smoked weed and I did, I feel like I did acid. It's all blurry once or something. And I, um. That was the first drug you ever did was acid. <laughs> what if it was? When I, when it I was could eight. be. I don't know. I'm just kidding. No, no. It was, I did it once, but after I had been smoking weed I, I think i started smoking weed when i was like 14 weed is the first one ish yeah yeah you know potheads always defend weed by saying like it's fucking bullshit that weed is not a gateway drug and yeah. i'm like 
No, it 100% is a gateway drug. Yeah, that being said, I don't think there's anything wrong with weed. Like, I, I'm, it's great. I don't smoke it anymore. It just yeah. doesn't really mesh well with, like, my body composition. Yeah. So I smoked weed a bunch in high school, a lot. And then I would always get, like, severe panic attacks. But I would always, every, time. <laughs> every single time, I'm like, no, I like this. I, I like, enjoy this. No, weed is fun <laughs> when you start, like, hyperventilating you know, and I'm thinking you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much fun. Yeah, I'm having so much fun at this party. <laughs> definitely should never smoke. and then i drank not that much actually because it was hard to get alcohol which is funny like people don't drink that much in high school because it's so hard to get alcohol it's I mean, a whole thing did you ever hey it's a mister whole thing. it's like what's a hey mister where you post up outside of a oh or no something. i have like, hey mister an old person no i think that there was like parts like there were like places you knew oh oh but then like during high school i moved to seoul back to seoul okay and i went to like uh seoul like a like international school right so you didn't do drugs in seoul there were there are no drugs in seoul except i did buy weed once and it was 350 dollars oh <laughs> for like a, an amount of like maybe a joint 350 dollars like for a god. joint i swear to god i swear to god because it's so illegal there it's <laughs> like it came in the butthole of like <laughs> a swedish you got you got more you got more high in the pursuit of obtaining it than you did from smoking this shitty yeah. joint and then i had to Seoul. give that's back in the day when they only had manon manon is ten dollar bills yeah. so it's just like it's the fat stack of ten dollar bills <laughs> for like a joint <laughs> i had to give it to some guy it was so terrible but um when i lived in korea because also korean people read me as foreign and they assume that if you're a foreigner you're there to work right there's yeah. not that many like student high school students yeah so i would never get carded so mm. i just openly just drink at bars mm. and this is when i was like 16 17 18 19 right 20 yeah and then when i moved to the states when i was 20 i was like i can't go to bars what like back then I, I was already like a seasoned drinker. Right. And so then when I moved to San Francisco, I started smoking a lot of weed. Mm -hmm. I a lot of panic oh attacks God, again. So many panic attacks. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. Um, I, and then this is where it gets real rough cause this is San Francisco. Yeah. And I did, I did a bunch of Coke to the point where I, I feel like I had a full blown cocaine problem. Was this when you were working in the restaurant industry? Yes. It's common in the restaurant industry, right? It's, it's common. But also back then the, like the youth culture, I, I think it's still pretty much like this in San Francisco, the youth, like hipsters. Yeah. They were just doing so much Coke. You know, this is like the heyday of like the beauty bar, like right. places like that, where it's just like eyeliner wearing, like, but it sounds like when you were using all of these drugs, mm -hmm. it was still, purely for pleasure like it's recreational like were you trying were you using in a copacetic way where mm. you're trying to hide yeah, something if you look a, back on it well okay so first of all the my early 20s was like a terrible time for me because that's where all my like all the fumes that came out of my shitty childhood were coming out you know to a bubbling head, to the surface bubbling yeah. to the surface all the like abuse that i'd gone through all of the the feelings of like just being lost mm -hmm. just being abandoned by my parents that shit and i was like dealing with all of that with heavy drug use and so yes it was fun i was having a bunch of fun for sure right but it was because i was coping with all these feelings that I, that were coming that were bubbling to the surface finally after a childhood of, of oh. severe like why do you think it manifested abuse. in your early 20s as opposed well, to any other time in your life i've read about a lot of like mental illness issues comes up then because mm -hmm. i feel like that's like when your brain is sort of like solidifying in a way that you can process stuff you right. know i was processing and then also being alone yeah. being in relationships where it was like i had been in romantic relationships before but as a, that's like the first time i was like an adult and like i i'm with a partner and like we're alone and i you know like that I'm sort of ghosted yeah and um <laughs> And then I had a boyfriend that was like a cocaine addict. And then I remember once, and then I broke up with him because he told me, he was like, oh, I spent like this much amount of money on coke. Like he was hiding money from me. And I was like, oh, this is too crazy. I'd be like, oh my God, he's crazy. But meanwhile, <laughs> I was doing just as much coke. <laughs> and then I even had, I okay, so I say this as a, this is a all very, it, this is all, a lot of it's very sad because like I said, I was using it to cope with the the fucked up nature of like, just processing my life up to yeah, that point yeah but i think this is hilarious um <laughs> i so this is the this is this is gonna get real dark just hold on but it is you're listening to the feeling asian podcast <laughs> this is feeling this is just feeling real. fucking dark and real this is front street um 
I started doing heroin. Oh my God. Yeah, I had a friend that was doing heroin, but okay, it's gonna get funny, don't worry. <laughs> she was completely like a heroin junkie, but I yeah. didn't really realize, I was just starting to hang out with her and she was like, hey, do you wanna do, she would be like, do you wanna do black? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, it's heroin. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you didn't, but you like wanted to be cool in like a high school way. You're like, yeah, I do that black. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I do it all the time. I feel like, uh, the thing is, I feel like at that point, I knew that I was really fucked up and I wanted to like, I wanted my physical representation to align with what I felt like inside. You know what I mean? In a way. So you were but or like, so I you, wanted my life. To, to so you were self-aware enough at the time to know that, oh, heroin, this is crossing the line in many ways. Yes. But I'm a fucked up person. So. But like how shitty I was feeling inside made me feel like I am the person that does is a heroin addict because this is like me that's how broken i am right oh, that's so then, terrible okay, this is the funny part though no i, start I just to, got really sad I right know. now it was it was very dark ryan it was very dark oh no, yeah absolutely um the early i think early 20s also just for being like a woman that's like fairly attractive is terrifying like i was you know like this is trigger warning i was raped during this time you know i had like just constantly being sexually assaulted and harassed you know what i mean just living your life as a 21 year old woman yeah is just being constantly under attack in any way and when you're alone you have like no family it's just you're on your own it's terrifying yeah anyway so i t swear it's gonna get funny um no that's so, right. yeah no, it, no, that, it that doesn't have to be funny no but that I'm is that gonna, is really yeah. hard to admit and yeah um, it was so that entire time was like incredibly dark all the drug use sort of and then it sort of like became a cycle where i did the drugs and then it would put me in like precarious situations and then i would do more drugs to deal with that and yeah. just like went over and over and over the heroin thing is interesting because i started doing heroin with my friend and she was completely addicted and i was doing it every day with her but um every time i would do it i only snorted it Every time I would do it, I would violently projectile vomit. Oh my god! <laughs> I'd be like, <laughs> and then I, I thought, because the only thing I knew about heroin at that point was like watching like a Lifetime movie where the main character would throw up all the time. So I was like, oh, that's being high on heroin. It makes you throw up, not realizing that the character was going through a withdrawal. These are like you throw very up in your intense drug situations, but <laughs> your understanding of the high is like so off that it makes <laughs> like, it kind of endearing and cute in a way. <laughs> it makes you project violently vomit, and that's what's fun about it. It's like my relationship with weed too. I'm like, it makes you in a panic, panic attack and sweat and scared of people. This is fun. You're right. This is fun. So I'm doing the heroin and I'm th violently ill all the time. Oh my. And so then, it wasn't even a good, did you like, I was going to say like, did you get really it, like the high is supposed to be very intense and amazing. So, and that's why people become addicts. No, actually heroin is, I'll, I'll explain this a little in a little bit. But then anyways, <laughs> what I found out later was that when my friend moved away the day after she moved back to home, cause she was oh, drug no, she addict, like, you were actually doing meth. No, I, <laughs> I literally stopped doing heroin, had zero problems, stopped doing it. So I did it every day for six months, stopped one day, never even felt like doing it again. Like I, w I just felt like I wasn't addicted. Years later, I got a root canal and the doctor gave me Percocet and I threw up violently. And oh. the doctor was like, you're allergic to opioids. Oh my God. <laughs> I was allergic to the heroin. Like it didn't even hit my bloodstream. I just like, like vomited it out. <laughs> Snorted it. It's just like, my body's like, no. <laughs> just threw it back out. So I was like, I did it for six months. It like, uh, unscathed well, you got so <laughs> wow so you get the badass street cred of telling people you did heroin well any of the negative side effects none no but i remember getting high but honestly it is a it is, it, is a, it is a blessing in disguise it's that your body just composition just doesn't accept opioids because oh, yeah but also i have to say here is the thing so I, I did it and then obviously a few times it would it would get absorbed and i would feel high yeah. but it would it feels pretty much like nothing like it feels like you're just feeling a little more relaxed, right? Like I would feel so together that I would do a bunch of heroin and go to work. 
And I don't know if I was acting off or not, but I don't think I was. And then later on, I met my friend who's a school teacher who did a bunch of heroin. What? Isn't that weird? Casually. And oh she told God. me, she was like, oh, no, that's what it feels like to be high on heroin. It just feels normal that you can just you feel normal, but you can just deal with everything. And then one day you keep upping your dosage and then you don't do it. And then you get violently ill and then you realize you're addicted. So it's like it's almost like doing heroin is like making you f- makes you feel so normal. And then you keep doing more and more and more. And then that's where the addiction comes into play. Right. So I guess in a lot of ways, even though I thought I wasn't getting high, I was actually feeling the effects of it. <sighs> isn't it such a, isn't it a crazy drug? Anyway, not for me. <laughs> and after your experience with heroin, which, you know, for many people, I, even amongst friends who are casual drug users, like that's where they draw the line. Yeah. It's like, I'll do anything, but I won't touch the hard stuff like heroin, meth, any mm-hmm. of that. Was that like a wake up call for you or because? No, I mean, for years I was like just openly, you know, for years I stopped, I stopped doing cocaine because I got married and, you know, like my ex-husband wasn't doing it. He also had, he had a, well, I don't know if I should say anything about him, but he was definitely not doing cocaine and very, he, I mean, we drank and then occasionally sometimes like I would smoke weed even though it sucked, but, um. I never did any other drugs after like my early 20s. I think I like it just kind of like left my system with like the processing of all this emotional trauma. Right. But I did do and I still do to this day mushrooms a lot. Oh, how frequently do you take mushrooms? Um, I mean, it's, it's not really frequently. I would say maybe even like once every six months. Okay. If even that. But I will do them at any point. And I'm open to doing other kinds of hallucinogens and there was a point where i did mushrooms for a lot i did i talk about this in the podcast no, i did this mushrooms. Is my first time hearing about you oh doing really mushrooms, yeah so i did mushrooms like basically for ev- every single day for like microdosing for like maybe a year what <laughs> what yeah microdosing and it's similar i was just it, taking it them from, all it, day long yeah. But when you were taking it every day for a year, it's a sim- it came from a similar place in your early 20s where no. you're trying to hide from no, the feelings mus- or emotions that you were experiencing at the time? No, not at all. The mushrooms I did to like, um, because I heard that people were using it as like a sort of like a therapeutic thing to like help heal their brain, which I actually sort of believe in. Okay. Um, and so I did them. Like, were you seeing a therapist at this time? I was. And at one point I told her I've been high on mushrooms for months and she was like, what? And I was like, I've just been doing them every day. Maybe. <laughs> and she was totally, she was like, oh, cool. That's great. Like she was like, okay. I think through therapy she, she and hearing how I talk about things, she was like, I, she's even told me like, you know, I drink and stuff to this day. And she's yeah. like, nothing that you say makes me feel like you have a problem. Yeah. Like I can see that you have obviously a lot of emotional problems, but the, but the drinking and even the mushroom, she was like, well, like that's, it seems like you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. But after I did the mushrooms, um, I truly believe it helped helped me get like cure. It helped cure my depression because I had really severe really? depression. Yeah, like to the point where like I feel like my entire twenties I was like laying in bed if when I wasn't doing the cocaine. But um, <laughs> but I feel like it cured my depression. Like I'm totally my brain is so different now. Wow. Yeah, like you know I had like the hardest time getting out of bed. Yeah. Every like it was just a nightmare. Like I would wake up and it was just dark. It was so ext- extremely dark every single morning. It was mm-hmm. just so hard to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And after I did the mushrooms, now every morning I'm just like do do do. Like I, I just jump out of bed. It's crazy. Wow. Like that changed. So now, so you you take them <laughs> maybe once every six months as a yeah maybe just like recreationally. Like in the you, summer I did it like two or three times. I think like with my friends not yeah. like i don't do it by myself like when we go out and like when we went out of town or something or yeah. went to the beach yeah wow yeah. okay but so but you know your relationship to mushrooms sounds very therapeutic and yeah you you seek it for the positive neurological benefits that it has provided you it feels yeah it feels like it's beneficial to me and it's like help helping me hmm that's wow see i've never taken psychedelics Mm. And they scare me because I've done salvia. <laughs> like, What's salvia again? It's legal. 
because it's such an unpleasant drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's not illegal. You can buy it anywhere. And this was back in college, and it's you hallucinate, but it lasts for ten minutes, but you lose all conception of time, so it feels much longer <laughs> when you're crazy. tripping, and it's just very, very unpleasant. And is it always unpleasant, or does it depend on your mindset? No, it's always, almost always unpleasant. Mm. Yeah, and because it was such an intense experience, it turned me off to psychedelics. Wow. Do you right. want to talk about your drug history now? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm done. yeah, you're that done. You're like brief, brief, <laughs> brief six month heroin addiction. <laughs> Chilling. I think that's the We're funniest done. story ever. I don't know why I find that hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Brian, what's your drug story? I mean, I can identify. So now, currently, I don't do anything. I'm sober, basically. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, I, yeah. For me, my drug use, I can identify with like an emotional state I was in. And for the majority of them, it was used in a very uh, coping way to hide from a deeper problem that I was running away from. So for me, the first drug that I ever experimented with was uh, weed because I went to high school in in Southern California Uh and it's so common. And like you said, alcohol is really hard to procure. Yeah. So almost everyone in my high school smoked weed and that was like the cool thing to do. And using weed helped me, uh, it helped like destigmatize drug use because I grew up in Texas where they just deemed all drugs as bad. Like if you take a drug, you're going to hell, you're a fucking terrible person, all these bad things are going to happen, your life is going to get fucked up. So once I tried weed, that's when I realized, oh, all that shit is just propaganda and it's not the case at all. And, but I really, really enjoyed it. I love. I really, really enjoyed the high of weed. I didn't have panic mm. attacks like you did. Like I sincerely, very much enjoyed the high of marijuana. Do you still smoke weed from time to time? No, I don't. Because why, why if you enjoy it? Um, two reasons. So the first one being, I think the last time I did was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. It made me kind of anxious and mm. a little bit paranoid, and so yeah, yeah. But maybe that's just because my tolerance has gone down for it and i think weed now is way too fucking powerful <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> like, my god like the other i just day, want... somebody gave me a gummy like a gummy bear yeah and they're like and i was like okay i'm not gonna i'm just gonna eat one leg yeah and i was fucked up. i was like i fucking hate this so much i was like in a restaurant and i kept telling all the servers like i had an edible i'm sorry i don't know where it's too powerful now <laughs> i had one gummy bear leg yeah i want the <laughs> shit like i want the shitty stuff <laughs> I, I want the stuff. Give me back the stuff in- that I paid three fifty for in Korea. It was like <laughs> mushed stems. Let, let's go back to the good old days of two thousand eight weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but then the other reason why I stopped was so in college I was a pre med and I was smoking a lot of weed at this time, but it felt normal to me because. All of my peers in college were smoking a lot of weed. Yeah. But I was using, I definitely was using it in a way to suppress negative emotions that I had because I fucking hated studying biochemistry. I fucking hated it. And so my rationale was, I was like a functioning pothead. Mm. And so my rationale was, okay, well, I'm doing this thing that I fucking hate. I can't turn to anyone and tell them that I fucking hate this. So I might as well just be high on weed doing this thing that I fucking hate as opposed to being sober doing this thing I fucking hate. Mm, You're definitely coping with the emotions of being kind of forced to do something that makes you so unhappy. Yeah. And, you know, I I was a straight A student. Right. But I would be be like high in lecture. Wow. Yeah. I can't do shit when I'm still except for like have a panic attack (laughs) (laughs) hey young me can i borrow your notes and it's just like scribbles and like a devil face (laughs) that's literally me on weed it's so unpleasant wow so you were doing all that but it was but there were other factors too because i can't drink Mm. i get severe severe asian glow Mm. yeah and that really negatively impacted my college experience and I felt I got 
a lot of social anxiety and a lot everyone of everyone was drinking and everyone you couldn't. was drinking Fuck. i couldn't and i felt and what's kind of fucked up is that of my friends stopped inviting me out <gasps> because they assumed that i wasn't a fun person because i couldn't drink with them and mm. and then and then i started i just felt like kind of depressed because that sucks this is out of my control yeah. and it's like impacting my social life in such a negative way and in college we're all you're all like you're like late teens early 20s you don't know what the fuck you're doing like everyone's judgmental you ha- you're, you're like a baby still mm-hmm. and so i don't hold that against them you know because if i could drink and i met someone who couldn't drink i would probably come to the same judgments too like oh you're a square you know like why aren't you drinking and i i got real so that's when i that's why i started smoking more weed then because it's like okay i can't drink so but i still want to go out and have a good time Mm -hmm. so i'll just smoke but it wasn't yeah i just got a lot of social anxiety because even when i would be sober not drinking in places where people were drinking mm-hmm. i would feel very self-conscious and think like everyone's yeah. everyone can tell that i'm sober and they think i'm weird which is funny because when people are drunk they can't tell shit right like, they're like they can even tell if you had a head or something you know they're like oh. right 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 yeah but it, it does make i could see how you'd be very uncomfortable because people drink to alleviate the social anxiety yeah and so all these people were just shit-faced like feeling really loose and you still had all the social anxiety that you have as like a young person but that's what anxiety is like you can't rationalize it you know Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. what you said makes perfect sense like drunk people they sober people don't give a fuck about you that's just how society is yeah yeah people are too self-involved to really care yeah what other people are doing yeah yeah but then when they're drunk that's times yeah 50 you know but but yeah your anxiety is like i don't belong yeah here. yeah i'm out but, of place but you know like everyone going to a party feels like that and that's why they drink so much but then you didn't have the drinking you know and then you yeah. have to be in that situation it's so awkward oh yeah and this is god this is such an embarrassing it's a funny story now but so after my first or second year of college i went back home to texas for a winter break uh-huh. and i met up with my childhood friends and after, since then we had all like kind of experimented with weed so we're like hey let's meet up like let's get high yeah i was like okay cool and we we went in our friend's car and we parked it at a mormon church mm-hmm. empty parking lot and we were just hotboxing it <laughs> and one of my friends brought a macbook so we were just getting high, the four of us, by ourselves, in an empty Mormon church parking lot. And then we were just watching Entourage. That's amazing. In this car. But then these cops pulled up. And this is Texas. Uh-huh. And so they flashed the lights like, what are you guys doing here? We're dumb as fuck because it looks sketchy as hell to just be the only car in yeah. an empty Mormon church parking lot. And they saw that we were just watching Entourage. And they were like... We smell marijuana and it being Texas, they fucking arrested us. <gasps> they pulled us out. They arrested us. They put us in the cop car. They searched the car. And then I had, we each had like barely any weed on us, like less than a dime. And I hid mine in the cushion of the back seat. But my other friends had them on their person. And oh, the cop and the, and the cop was like, okay, we could do this the easy way or the hard way. I promise if you do this the easy way, we're going to let you off really easy. Mm-hmm. Just hand over what you have. I didn't have it on me. Mm-hmm. Mine was like in the car, but like the drug dogs were like sniffing it and stuff. And my friends handed over their weed. They then, but then when we were in the cop car, we could hear the police officers deliberate. They're like, okay, come on. Like they're just teenage. Like they don't, let's, I think they're scared enough. Like let's, let's let them go. Yeah. But there was one cop in particular who was like, no, like this is a criminal offense. We have to stand by our principle we have to we have to report this we have to meet our quota get that check basically so they took us to a detaining cell fucking stupid while we were waiting for the da to assess the evidence yeah but this is fucking frightening for me because the whole time i'm like oh my god my parents are gonna fucking kick my fucking ass so hard because you know they're yeah. Asian parents don't know anything about drugs because it doesn't really exist. Yeah, that much. for Asian parents, it's weed and heroin are the same thing. Exactly. It's like mayak. Mayak in Korea mayak. just means anything. Anything. Any drug is mayak. But rampant alcoholism in Korea. That's totally cool. Okay. Totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? 
So I was the only one who was let go because <gasps> I, I hid nice. my I hid my weed. You're a fucking scammer. I'm a scammer. Right. I'm a scammer. That's why I'm surviving in the yeah, mainstream in New York. Korean way. I'm Shit. a scammer. But um, so I was let go, and my parents. This was Christmas Eve. Oh my, my god! And my parents had to pick me up from the local police station. What at did you tell them? Three in the morning. Oh. There was nothing to tell them. I just they already knew. Did they knew. beat you? They didn't. No, they didn't beat me, but they were obviously very very disappointed and very you know so you said that you smoke weed with your friends yeah or did you just say they were smoking weed and you i said we were all smoking weed yeah but you weren't technically under arrest you were no. you were detained and then let go i was no record no record so that's but uh, my but meanwhile my friends had they got like a misdemeanor charged which they had to hire attorneys for and like get it expunged from their record so they're totally fine now but at the time it was um, it was very hard because I'm not as close with them anymore because mm. their parents vilified me. They thought I was a bad influence because they're like, were they all Korean? No, no, no. They're oh. white. <laughs> but when I got let go, like I remember one of the moms looked me in the eye and said, tell your parents the truth because we know the truth. What's the, what the truth is? What? Because, well, in their eyes, they thought I was the bad apple because I was the one who went to California that's where a lot of weed is. And they thought, well, my children would never do this. Like, they grew up in Texas. This Idiots. Is like, yeah. Come on, man. And they wouldn't let... And since so then, weird. like, our it kind of fractured our friendship. Well, do you think they told... Though your friends told their parents that it was their fault, too, eventually? I'm uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's all fine now because it's... I can look back on it now and laugh because yeah. it's just like a... Because you got away. <laughs> <laughs> if they were smart, then they would have gotten away, too. Shit. Right, right. And, um... It's just a funny story, but, you know, I used, uh, my parents were obviously very, very mad, but it kind of in a way became a bonding experience a little bit because a week later, my dad kind of laughed about it. He was like, you're a fucking idiot. You were, you got, I can't believe this happened to you. But then my dad admitted to me, he was like, yeah, when I first came to America, I tried weed once and the room was spinning and i thought i was gonna Get a die yeah yeah and i was like what he viol- wow he Dad? smoked weed wow that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty intense for a korean like immigrant person to try yeah. weed of that of that era yeah so that, that was the main thing for me where i used a lot of weed to cope with the social anxiety that i had mm. with alcohol and just my dissatisfaction with my life in the, the direction it was headed towards yeah. medical school and funny enough, the first joke that I ever wrote mm-hmm. was about my inability to drink because I What's felt the joke. Uh, the joke was like when you're sober at a bar, it's impossible to hit on a girl without sounding creepy. <laughs> it's just like, hey, you want something to drink? And the girl will say, no, uh, yeah, like I'll have a gin and tonic. Like, what are you going to have? And I'll be like, no, I'm just going to watch you. <laughs> that was the That's joke. That's funny. That's the Charles Manson thing. What? Did you know that about Charles Manson? No. What? <laughs> I saw this documentary. <laughs> and then this woman was like, we were fucked up on PCP the whole time. And then like he kept telling us stuff and then it would like fuck with our heads. So we all became like his followers. And then she'd be like, but it was weird because he was always so in control on pcp and then years later i realized he just wasn't taking the pcp oh, jesus and so everyone else was fucked up and he was like totally sober like manipu- yeah them. manipulating yeah. them so now i call it the charles manson when they're like <laughs> i sometimes question and that became I mean, not a- that that's what you're doing no, no, obviously no. you're yeah. allergic to it look at us we're really allergic to everything aren't we <laughs> weak ass we're like the word we're like shitty what kind of loser is allergic to heroin <laughs> and alcohol <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, I then stand up kind of became that new high for me where mm. I was able to take this thing I was very insecure about, yeah. share it in a way that felt vulnerable yeah. while also making people laugh. I, yeah. I was going to say, did your drug use and drug use like sort of taper off after you started doing what you like doing? It did. That's awesome. It did. Yeah. Because once yeah. I moved to New York, that's when I stopped smoking weed. I stopped everything because mm-hmm. I knew how difficult comedy is. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the process of it yeah. in a pure way. Like nothing made me feel better than sitting down writing new ideas and trying it out on stage later that night yeah. and getting a laugh from it. And so yeah. I knew that if I was going to try this risky thing that where there is a high potential for failure, I want the peace of mind knowing that I didn't have any like drug impediments or any distractions 
right. where I'm left, if I were to walk away from it, I'm left with, well, fuck, like, what if I wasn't such a f- fucking, like, degenerate? Mm-hmm. Maybe I could have succeeded at this thing. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's, once I've identified the thing I really enjoy doing and felt comfortable expressing my emotions and my dissatisfaction with certain things or things I'm even happy about, Yeah. my recreational drug use just i didn't feel the need for it yeah and even in terms of dating and interacting with people it alleviated all of that too mm. and it, it it also comes with age like living mm-hmm. through your 20s yeah because now i'm at a place where okay well i'm comfortable with who i am so i don't need any of this other stuff and if you're going to judge me negatively for not partaking in these recreational drugs that you enjoy so much yeah that's weird you're weird that's a weird because i'm not judging you like who the hell cares yeah right like who if you're drinking and people around you like someone's not drinking what do, what does that have to do with anything you right know? so weird and as i've mentioned in earlier episodes i used to have a lot of shame surrounding sex and oh uh, right yeah so did you I, smoke a lot of weed before having sex no 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 mm. what i was gonna say is that rather than traditional drugs i think i became i know i know like i was addicted to porn oh wow yeah i was using mm. it like a drug where i would come home and rather than pouring myself a glass of wine or smoking a joint i would just watch porn but i wouldn't even masturbate wow you wouldn't what why you wouldn't masturbate you just watch it i would like, like touch myself but i would not to completion it's just mm. like flooding my ba- my brain with dopamine of the right. visuals of sex. Ah, uh, I see. And that's also a lot of that is tied to my discomfort of being intimate. And for that time, I thought, fuck it. Like it, it, the, the prospect of being vulnerable and, you know, like my issues with performance anxiety mm-hmm. and the scrutiny that can come with it. I felt it was easier to just self-medicate through porn and just be, okay, well, mm. I, this is fulfilling my sexual desire. Mm. I can't bear to be that open about these anxieties i have in the bedroom with another person so i'm just going to rely on porn and treat it myself yeah you know you've told me that that you've had like you know like self what you think is like problematic relationships to porn and like other like online sex stuff yeah and i didn't understand it at the when you were telling me that i was like what are you talking about that sounds right, right. fine but now i totally understand it all I comes see from how... a place of a lot of insecurity right and then trying to cover that up with drug use even though porn like isn't soothing. a drug yeah but it's, it's a soothing. soothing yeah yeah it's a soothing mechanism and when you said that about the dopamine and stuff that, i totally get that yeah and it's I a real and it's a real thing like porn addiction it's more rampant than it it, it people are talking about it now because mm. Oh my god, it's a huge issue for like young teenagers. Yeah, know? and it, and it, it does impact. It's a thing like porn induced erectile dysfunction. Yeah, because oh. what the porn you're watching is so stimulating. Extre- yeah, it's so that when much. you're when you're with a real person or a real yeah. partner, mm-hmm. it's not as arousing. Yeah, because your brain is just fried from all of the visuals that come with porn. Right, and um. But I stopped again. I don't watch porn anymore because yeah, that also that well that also came with my comfortability of just reconciling who I am and accepting that and yeah being comfortable with judgment and not letting it affect me because I am so confident in myself. Right. Do you think you could watch porn in like a healthy way now, like just once in a while or something like that? Or I think I have somewhat of an addicting. Per addictive personality mm. i think it is a blessing in disguise that i can't drink because if i oh. were if mm. i could drink one i don't know if i would be doing comedy now because mm. i wouldn't have that insecurity or these feelings that needed to be expressed in another outlet mm. okay but then two if i enjoyed because i enjoyed weed mm-hmm. i consumed a lot of it like if it was in front of me i would smoke it mm. like i couldn't I, I don't have like good self-control like self-control okay. so i i operate in absolutes when it comes to vices so with porn it's either all or like i watch too much of it mm. or i just need to abstain from it entirely mm. so i think now i could see it in a more healthy way but i don't want to i don't want to take that risk because I know the, yeah. p- I have a much, much more healthier relationship towards sex and how I view sex and how I view women. Mm-hmm. Because porn, like it, it conditions men into th- like objectifying women. Like yeah, you, most of it, there, it's a type of se- most porn. It's a type of sex that that is like very misogynistic. Yeah, and even it's when not, it's like not, oh, yeah, like just it, it's 
when I was watching porn, I would view sex in a very misogynistic, fantastical way Mm -hmm. where like, oh yeah, like I'm going to do these things and it's going to get me off because it's sort of a like ownership Mm -hmm. of a woman in a way. It's a dominating. It's a dominating experience. Whereas, yeah. And it kind of turns me off a little bit. Like it's hard to, because when I see it now and I'm like, oh, this is so, this isn't real. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I watching like, I want to be the one connecting and, like, having this experience. Like, this is fucking lame. Like, why am I watching another person do this thing? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, the kind of sex that you see a lot in porn is interesting because it's, like, it's, it's, a uh, it's, like, a niche. It's, like, a niche style of having sex that blew up in porn. And so all the porn is this sort of dominating, blah, like, top man. Yeah submissive woman right? I mean, that's why choking big, choking is so popular now which is a very it's a very like niche style I, I don't, of sex but it is see, that's like most of porn and i and don't that's think not what yeah it's, and it's I'm made not, people perform sex in that way a lot more now i feel like yeah it's <clears throat> i think it, i'm not saying it's bad to engage in that kind of stuff yeah, it, it depends you do, on like your like, approach to I, it when i engage in that kind of sex it's definitely like a like a role, not a role play, but it is like a subtle role play sort of thing where I'm like, oh, nah, nah, nah. you know, it's not, yeah. it's not what naturally occurs when people have sex, but now it's almost like that's what, that's the only thing people know. Yeah. So they just immediately go to that like Assume it and think dominant it. man. So, and I'm like, this is, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how it's affected people. Yeah. I think <clears> since, this is off topic, but I just, no, it, that, it, yeah. it's all connected though, because mm-hmm. it, it's all tied to. Uh, emotional comfortability and yeah. uh, like how People comfortable are you are comfortable with connecting connecting because when yeah. i was i mean i enjoy that like that kind of more dominant style of sex mm. where there is choking involved but i think my approach to it has evolved or changed uh drastically because yeah. when i was watching a lot of porn and like viewing women in a very objective objectifying way mm-hmm. you get off on sort of that dominant choking behavior knowing like oh like i'm totally dominating i'm fucking the shit out of this girl Mm -hmm. whereas now it's more okay this is like a consensual thing and yeah if i'm with a partner like oh if you enjoy that yeah and you're vulnerable enough to give me permission to do this Mm -hmm. and this is something that you really enjoy then that's hot like i like that way that we're connecting in this extra way sex right but, you know, I, th- I have to say with, like, hooking up with people, this is so off topic. I'm just going to say this real quick. Yeah. Hooking up with people, it just, because you don't really know each other, yeah, <laughs> it just, you there is not really much of a connection. So, it, it does default into that, like, dominant man, like, that sort of thing. It defaults into that a lot. I yeah. Think. But if you, if you enjoy that and you're comfortable enough. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be cautious to say that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong, but it there's should, nothing I think wrong it's dangerous it. no. to assume it's, that it's that's the norm. Yeah. That's know? what that's, it's weird that people think it's the norm. That's very off topic, but maybe not. Yeah. So now we, I don't, yeah. I don't watch porn either because my approach and view on sex has become so much healthier. Mm. And again, I don't, seek it out and i know the benefits to me have been so much better so that's why i just i've just abstained from i don't smoke weed i don't watch porn like i don't do anything basically and people will ask me they're like well how do you what the fuck like how do you have fun like what do you do for fun i'm like "Mm, i don't know i talk to young me once a week into a little mixer (laughs) well it sounds like you're doing what you know is good for you and you're reading yourself well and um, I guess I should say end by saying and like end this whole little thing by saying. Well, you seem right like now, you're in a much. I'm very stable because I've met you. I yeah. met you when you were much more mentally stable, more in control of your emotions. Yeah, at this point in my life, I'm stable. I mean, I drink, um, time time. I don't really do any hard drugs, you know. Yeah. At all, I'm yeah. obviously never going to do heroin again. So. Because <laughs> I'm allergic. <laughs> I'm allergic to it. <laughs> deathly. Um occasionally like when i'm on vacation i'll do like mushrooms but that's about it i think and i i feel like i have a very healthy relationship to drugs and using drugs at this point in my life yeah and i just want to cap off this um this topic of drugs by saying you know there is uh, young me and i we we both were partially inspired by this because we read this article that said although substance abuse is less common in asian american communities because of cultural factors 
and the, the cultural upbringing that we have, yeah, it it becomes much much harder for people who perhaps might struggle with addiction or who use drugs or other forms of vices in unhealthy ways to be open and express that. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to be open and say it to yeah. make everyone listening know that. A lot of Asians and Asian Americans deal with drug, I mean, healthy drug use and addiction yeah. and abuse. Yeah. And it's okay if you do. Right. And you should definitely reach, if, if you feel like it's a problem, you should definitely seek help, obviously. But do not feel ashamed because why? why? It's it, if, if you have an addiction or issue with it, it is a disease and there's yeah. nothing to be ashamed of. And I think, uh, at least with my experience with some Asian American friends, we're very problem and solution oriented. Right. Rather than just listening and providing empathy. Yeah. So, for instance, if you're on the receiving end of that, where if you have a friend who has turned to you with a problem for the purposes of this episode, if it's drug use, be compassionate. Don't. Because it's so easy to say, and I used to do this, was like, oh, mm. you, you have a drinking problem? Well, then just don't drink. Yeah. You know? Go to rehab. Yeah. Um, just, you know, like a lot of the, we were talking about this, but like a lot of the p reasons why people use drugs is a coping mechanism for emotional, you know, trauma and emotional problems that people have. Yeah. And it's, it's just like a band-aid that they're trying to put on their own wounds. Mm -hmm. So understanding that, understand that you're, you know your friends if they come to you with these sort of problems they need help and they're looking for friendship yeah and like warmth yeah you don't have to be like because drug you use have a problem ew gross you're doing cocaine and you're in your 40s or whatever you know i don't yeah. know i made up a fake person in my head <laughs> <laughs> like you, there's no there's no room for judgment there like, there's no it judgment. is it is it's more complicated for asian americans because there's our so parents have judgment. a very they view all like you said where marijuana and heroin are on mayak this, and, is mayak. It's, it's in the same category yeah and so if you are someone who turns to drugs in a copacetic way it makes it that much more difficult to open up about it yeah you know because you feel so that you impose even more shame of like why am i such a bad not a bad person but why am i such a bad asian person and i yeah and also i feel like it pushes people into like into path pathological behavior like let's say you're someone that smokes weed on the weekends that's totally fucking fine who right. cares right. but like if your family is being like oh drugs how dare you then that like makes you feel like you're fucked up and then maybe you're gonna smoke more weed and then it gets out of control and then right who knows you and know like we both have uncles in korea who are like <laughs> raging alcoholics oh my god no one even said like my uncle literally wakes up every morning walks into the kitchen just chugs a bottle of soju and yeah. everyone's just standing there pretending that it's not happening <laughs> and then he just walks out and we're just like la 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 and i'm and, like did everyone just yeah. see that i mean <laughs> in korea alcoholism is a huge problem yeah but because alcohol is but they don't talk about it alcohol isn't considered taboo yeah it's normal but we yeah. see that oh that that you're hiding and you're running from something that's yeah more uh problematic and mm -hmm. if anything I, when i see that kind of stuff it makes me really sad because you he's know, not getting the emotional support that he or she needs yeah yeah um so what i'm so what we want to say is you know for the listeners out there uh like let's let's just be more compassionate and let's be cause open. this change yeah. because it was harder for our parents' generation to be open about this kinds of stuff and it manifested in, like in Young Me's uncle's example, <laughs> drinking a bottle of soju <laughs> at nine in the morning. Yeah, I would just say don't feel ashamed. If yeah. you do drugs rec recreationally and in a responsible way, that's fine. A lot of people do. I do. You know, yeah, like, so don't be embarrassed do. about it. It's, if you have a problem, don't, why would you be ashamed of it? Don't, don't, Reach out for help. Yeah. Wherever you lie on the spectrum, that's totally fine. And if you want to change it, you can change it. Yeah. And if you don't, then don't change it. <laughs> Do the mushrooms every day. Who cares? So thank you for sharing, young me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as you guys know, we have an advice segment. And guys, guys, we've received so many, so many great submissions. And young me and I, we, we meet up and we talk about them. And uh, a lot of these submissions are very very complex and we want to do them justice so if we haven't gotten to your feedback or your question yet rest assured young me and i we will respond to it in fact we want to dedicate a future episode to just answering fan submissions because 
we yeah. want to do it justice. We want to give it the appropriate amount of time yeah. and attention because they're so layered and they're just filled. They're so emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. And so as a reminder, please email your questions to feelingasianpodcast at gmail.com. And guys, uh, that was our episode of Feeling Asian. Yeah, about drugs. About drugs. And if you haven't already, you guys have been so supportive. Thank you so much. But if you haven't, please, please, please subscribe to us on Spotify. Rate and review us on iTunes. You can search us on Feeling Asian. Every review helps us uh, reach more listeners. And, you know, Young Me and I, uh, we, we, we want this. We, we think we're building something really awesome here. And we want a lot yeah. of people to experience it. And we want to grow and collaborate with all of you. Yeah. And if you like it, please message us. I, we love hearing from you. Yeah. Uh, where can our listeners find you, Young Me? Uh, YM Mayor on Instagram and Twitter. That's Y-M-M-A-Y-E-R. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at It's Brian Park. And follow our uh, Instagram page for Feeling Asian at Feeling Asian Podcast. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That's it. Bye. Bye.